Welcome to the Peachtree Podcast. Peachtree Learning Center is a nonprofit in Middle Tennessee dedicated to training and discipling students in all the fine arts to become excellent and skilled in order to spread the kingdom of God into the world of the arts. On this podcast, we will discuss topics designed to encourage, uplift, educate, and equip people to proclaim the kingdom more deeply in their own families and communities. Welcome back to Peachtree's podcast. Hopefully you've been here before. If not, we welcome you as a new listener and um, hope that you visit often and go back and look at what we've talked about before. We're um, back in the throes of our spring semester with some winter weather and um, people all coming back this week were uh, full of tales of sickness, but also tales of sweet Christmas times and good New Year's and um, spring semester is always a different flavor for us because there's more weeks in that semester, fewer breaks and way more um, happenings. So we have a lot of beautiful events coming up this semester. We're super excited to offer to our community. We have several that I'll mention really quickly. There's a faculty concert coming up in February and we're going to do it twice. So we're going to do it once in each of our buildings and have Uh, most of our music faculty perform so that uh, people in the community and people from our families can come and see what teachers are capable of, see what their teachers do. Um, And that's a, that's a really thing, fun thing we started last year. Uh, It was very well received and we want to um, do that again to just let the teachers showcase what skill sets they've accumulated and also um, encourage, encourage each other in that and encourage their students in that. Um, that's a really fun, uh, weekend coming up in February. And alongside that, uh, just shortly thereafter, we're going to have a songwriter showcase. We've got a songwriting class that's going great guns. And then a songwriting two this year, we added a second level, uh, for people that studied last year, they've kind of taken it to the next, the next level, if you will. And so, um, they're going to be performing together, uh, each their own creation of songs. And then we also have a musical theater showcase coming up and those are all happening in the next six to eight weeks. Pretty soon after that, we have a spring show. And then, um, but back into February, we have a very exciting event coming up. That's an author's workshop. It's actually for authors and readers because we're going to be talking about the importance of reading, why good books are um, different from non-good books and what the importance of great literature is to a person um, that just wants to be creative or wants to be able to think well. It's it's going to be some great discussion. And we also have from um, a couple of nationally known writers that we've uh, been able to contact for this event, they're going to be talking about how they um, came to be writers and what influenced them uh, when they were young that led them to know that they wanted to be authors. So there's just some really great uh, events coming up uh, just in the next few weeks. We're super excited about um, some really great vendors coming alongside us in that author and writer workshop, uh, author and reader workshop. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that come together. And we're super excited to welcome Dr. Carolyn Weber, who's uh, formerly of Oxford University and then has taught at several other colleges and now resides uh, nearby us in Middle Tennessee and teaches at a college in Franklin. Uh, She's a A kindred spirit, we can tell, and we're very excited to welcome her into our space in February alongside several other authors from kind of this region. So lots of exciting things coming uh, into this semester. And this first podcast is kind of born out of several conversations I had um, over the last few weeks, and specifically with a couple of the people that are coming to that writer's workshop. Um, We've talked a lot about just being creators and being creative and what that means. And um, we've talked about the value of humanity and just how important it is for students, especially, but really for humans to just continue to be creative as they live. 
And um, it's kind of borne out uh, a longing to just discuss that a little bit and get into what it means to be human. So I have an 1828 Webster's Dictionary at, at my house, and I looked up the word man, and it says an individual of the human species used indefinitely to refer to any person. Also, the word human, I looked up, and it says belonging to mankind, pertaining to or relating to the race of man, as opposed to another race. The current definition on Merriam-Webster's website says that man is a bipedal primate mammal, a homo sapiens species, which just means humankind. Um, So that's a pretty bare bones definition, but let's start with that. Um, When you take the word mammal, you know that mammals are formed inside their human mother or their mammal mothers. And um, part of that process means that the DNA that they use to become what it is they're becoming um, is inside that tiny body from the day of conception. And it shapes everything from how big the nose is to how big the toes are. It is... um, a human because it has human DNA. And uh, when we are dug up in 200 years and they want to piece together the way we lived, you will be able to see DNA that indicates a human was here versus DNA that might indicate the, the, the family pet buried in the same space or whatever. You can tell what's happening or what that being was because of its DNA. And that DNA is in a human from day of conception. So that's humanity in its basic form. There are so many social constructs that come at us right now, though, that attempt to erode humanness in our world. And um, I wanted to share some quotes from a couple of books. Both of these books are by Dorothy Sayers. Uh, She was a great writer in the 20th century. She was the typically known as the only uh, female inkling. I know she did know C.S. Lewis and some of the men who made up that group and um, exchange writings with them. But she's a really great thinker and... um, She talks in her book, The Mind of the Maker, about um, how it is or what what it means to create and what creativity means. And there's a chapter called The Image of God, and she's um, really talking about creating versus manipulating matter. And she talks about the the creation. We talk about creation in a light way as if it's a word we can use lightly. And she says, though we cannot create matter, we continually, by rearrangement, create new entities. A million buttons stamped out by a machine may be exactly alike, but they are not the same button. With each separate act of making, an entity appears in the world that was not there before. Nevertheless, we perceive that this is a very poor, restricted kind of creation. We acknowledge a richer experience in the making of an individual and original work. And she says again, by another metaphor, we might call a perfectly prepared beefsteak pudding a work of art. And then she says, it is the artist who, more than other men, is able to create something out of nothing. A whole artistic work is immeasurably more than the sum of its parts. And she's just indicating the fact that Creativity is not reshaping matter or re um, aligning atoms that already exist, but creativity in its purest form is literally coming up with something that did not exist before. And we know that when we talk about God as the creator, we're not saying he took matter that was already there and shaped it into something. We're saying he made the matter come to being and then he shaped it into what he wanted. And that's a little bit different concept. So going along those lines and thinking about God as a creator, um, is a little bit different. And when we say that we're created in the image of God, we bear the image that caused him to want to create. We have a lo- an innate sense of wanting to determine something, uh, wanting to create or, or make something happen or make something 
come into being that wasn't there before. Um, and a lot of things in our world want to erode that humanity. They want to erode that sense of um, being a human. And one big one that I've run across um, in several discussions is the concept of anthropomorphizing things. And we tend to give human characteristics to things that are not human. So we want to m- imagine con- conversations between pets or animals. We want to um, treat them like humans sometimes. And we might even anthropomorphize vehicles. We we make them have personalities. And that can be funny. But um, there's a quote from another book called Letters to a Diminished Church. And that's also by Dorothy Sayers. And she says, skeptics frequently complain that man has made God in his image. And they should go in reason, they should in reason go further and acknowledge that man has made all existence in his own image. If the tendency to anthropomorphism is a good reason for refusing to think about God, it's an equally good reason for refusing to think about light or oysters or battleships. It may be quite inadequate to interpret the mind of our dog by analogy with ourselves. We can by no means enter directly into the nature of a dog. Behind the eyes and wagging tail lies a mystery as inscrutable as the mystery of the Trinity. But that does not prevent us from ascribing to the dog feelings and ideas based on analogy with our own experience. And our behavior to the dog is controlled by this kind of experimental guesswork. And it produces results that are reasonably satisfactory. That's kind of interesting to think about the idea that when we give a dog human characteristics, we are giving him something he doesn't have. But the other side of that equation is we're taking away from ourselves where it's a, it's a little bit of a cheapening of what it means to be human. Um, another thing that cheapens humanity, honestly, is the invasive technology of today. And we constantly interact through screens with other humans, but sometimes with just other screens. And it makes it harder and harder I'm seeing, honestly, in my walk that it's making it harder and harder to have reasonable conversations with other people. We're distracted continually by something that's um, making technological sounds. We can see at Peachtree, we talk about this, and we can see a difference in children who are used to being on screens consistently. It makes them um, less able to handle conflict. It uh, cheapens or at least lessens the empathy they have for other people. It causes them to have less than decent attention spans, and it makes it harder for them to take instruction. And we can see those characteristics in children that we know are exposed to screens on a daily basis versus those who are not. And it means that things that demand imagination and creativity are many times received with impatience instead of effort. They don't um, readily jump into the effort required to create something or to come up with something from their own imagination. They, They get frustrated a little easier and part of this other um, part of the other problem with invasive technology is what we consume as entertainment. When we watch games or or we play games or watch shows and movies that um, lightly show the taking of human life, human life, it tends to desensitize us to what that fully means. That someone just lost a son or a daughter or a wife or a mother or a sister or a friend or a cousin or a parent, um, and this just tends to erode what we think of as humanity. Um, and, it, and we forget that those people, even portrayed on screen, were still bearing the image of God. Um, animals are the other creation from day six, and they're closest to us in human in, in life form, but they're distinctly different. They cannot make covenants. They do not have avenues for creativity outside things that are necessary, and they don't have imagination to take them outside their normal habitats. Um, they don't respond to time the, the way we do. We we um, 
we, we have all those capacities and we also have the capacity to care for people and things that do not care for us um, and to fill our days with things that have impact beyond our normal lifespan. And no other part of God's creation has that. Um, but the way we are cheapening humanity is going to just basically erode at who we are in the, in the eyes of God. Um, there's another quote um, from page 105 in Letters to Diminished Church. And um, she talks about establishing the kingdom of man on earth. And she talks about the head of all sin is the basic sin of pride. In one way, there's much to say about pride that might speak of it. We might speak of it for a week and not be done. Yet in another way, all there is to say about it can be said in a single sentence. It is the sin of trying to be as God. The name under which pride walks the world at this moment is the perfection of man or the doctrine of progress. And its specialty is the making of blueprints for utopia, utopia and establishing the kingdom of man on earth. And we, that is opposite of what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth, or the kingdom of God, and bringing it to bear in, in our daily lives and in everything we do. Um, and that, again, is it sounds like great language to say we want to bring a great kingdom to bear. But really what we do when we when we bring technology or we bring machinery into things is we are dehumanizing that process or that object. object. And I've even thought a lot about... Um, the, the role of machinery and technology and factories and the way things are made and how that has degraded what humans even do for a living. And you, you have a different response to that than you do when you see something that was came out of a factory and was made by machines. And that's because of the humanity behind it. Um, I think the creative process is something that we really respond to innately. Uh, whether we acknowledge that it came from God or not, it is what makes us human. And this is another facet of why it's important for us to to impart that to children, to let them be creative and let them be um, stimulated to be creative. So sometimes that looks like boredom or frustration with a circumstance. And really those fr- those feelings of what we would call negative negativity can actually be turned into fuel for creativity and um, imagination and um Thinking outside the box, we might say, being able to come up with a creative solution to something that they want. Um, so I think it's really important um, for us to think about these things. It's kind of a heavy topic, and it's a big one to jump into first of the year. But um, we will probably continue this conversation on several other podcasts in the future. I just wanted to introduce the idea that um, being human is a pretty important concept and something that's definitely lived out um, in a creative outlet uh, it's something that your children can learn from uh, through their creativity. So encourage them to dance, encourage them to draw, encourage them to play and sing and um, have imagination and create worlds on their floor with their paper and pen and Legos or whatever toys are at their disposal to let them have those moments of play and creativity and even to um, let them have those in shared places with other people who want to do those things to have art or music or drama or some creative outlet um, helps them be more human and in our humanity we will be closer to God hope you have a great day thinking about these things and we will hope to see you soon thank you so much for joining us today to support this podcast please go follow us on your podcast platform of choice and if you're interested in knowing more about the work of Peachtree please go visit our website at peachtreelearningcenter.com for more information